Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good evening, Rifters. This is Rifts and Rules, the 5e D&D podcast where we go through the many 5e books and talk about various rules to enhance your gameplay experience. I'm Nathan, the Dungeon Master of Riftwake. And I'm Remy, Morris on Riftwake. And today we're going to talk to you about patrons. So, the new book came out recently, Eberron, Rising from the Last War. And, of course, I have read the book and gone through all of it and found that it is full of neat things and is a lot of fun already for the things that I have already flat out lifted. So this week will be an Eberron-focused week, and I can already hear you at home asking, so does that mean that you're going to talk to us about artificers? Yes, of course we are. That will be Thursday's episode. But today, patrons. So, Nathan, what's a patron? A patron is someone that pays us money and makes us very happy. (laughs) Absolutely. And if you want to get more content from us, become our patron on patreon.com slash Podcast. But in terms of what a patron is, in terms of the information in the new Eberron book, a patron is an individual or an organization something that influences the world in one way or another and can be used directly for the party of a D&D or for a D&D party and there are an infinite amount of ways how to do it but honestly we should probably just kind of go through for some more detailed examples of how that works to get a feel for how to use a patron and to be honest Uh, In the book, this is a massive, massive section. It goes from page 64 to 101 in the new book. And we are not going to talk about any of the lore type parts specifically mentioned. So there won't be any Ebron spoilers. We're more just talking about the mechanics of a patron and how useful I find that idea. So... 
any organization will typically be one of three categories of how they influence the party. And those are listed as highly directive, highly autonomous, or player directed. And what that refers to, so a highly directive one is where you're an employee of someone or something, and there's a huge list of what that can be that I'll get into more detail in a bit. But basically where whatever your patron is, is very directly ordering you to do things. So that is where, let's say you're in a criminal organization and there is a godfather of said organization who is very direct managing of, you know, you are to go to this place at this time and kill this person, or you are to go to this location and rob them within X time where you are given very specific tasks, tasks of what to do. Now, next up is the highly autonomous patron. So that's a much more loosey-goosey type where you are belonging to an organization that has specific or specific or even just general goals that you support. And that could be the more typical adventurers guild where you are not necessarily given tasks, but you might get options and resources that are extremely helpful to give direction to an adventuring party. Now, the last one, player directed, is where you inverse things a bit. And instead of belonging to an organization, you are the organization. The players, the PCs, are the leaders of the guild. So this could be something with starting a higher level group. So you just start with a whole bunch of resources and people working for you and really just spread a web through the world you're playing in. Or you could just have it be... A level one party is really just starting out and just got, you know, a legal charter of some type from the small town they're in where they can start hiring adventurers themselves or start to build such an organization from scratch, which gives so many opportunities for role play for combat for anything that you want to do in a DD game just having a patron or an or just an organization that you are running gives you an infinite amount of opportunities yes from what i can tell right personally i find the player player that one the most interesting because um it basically brings forth a bunch of gameplay um, aspects that typically you may not have the um, leisure and the capability of the players having because running a business would create different, basically running their own thing would create certain experiences for the players such as um, instead of typically being reactionary or like, okay, we tell you to go this place. This kind of situation is much better for someone who isn't me, for example, Remy. And they already have a fleshed out world by itself. It doesn't need to be built around the players. Um, this will definitely be very good for that kind of uh, DM because it will allow the players to basically being like, okay, we need to um, improve our bottom line. How are we going to get better mining? Well, there's these 
uh, cobalts that keep on attacking our caravans. We need. How about we wipe them out so that our uh, monetary income is better? You know that kind of thing. See, but that's part of the beauty of it. You say that that's more suited to a big picture DM like me, but I would disagree with that. What is so nice about using organizations in a game is that you can just make it up as it spreads inside out. So it absolutely can be used for you and your style as well. So you just came up with an entire story off the top of your head just now when you didn't know this topic 10 minutes ago, what we were going to be. So immediately you came up with that cobalt idea. Then, okay, the party decides to do that. We go to the cobalts, we find out, oh, they have stolen goods from other places. Then you have a moral dilemma. Do you try to return the stolen goods or do you try to just sell off the goods for your own profit's sake? And then could that have repercussions if there was some important item in it? So you can take one simple story and adventure and get constant use out of that and that kind of situation and you set up allies and enemies and having no prior thought of any of this simple player decisions when you're willing to take that slightly more zoomed out view even when you are an inside out dm like yourself you can still get tons of use out of this system i can definitely see that and I think it's really cool. <laughs> yes, I absolutely agree with that. And so in the Ebron book, they give a whole bunch of examples of what types of patrons there can be. So I'm not going to read the specific examples they use for any of the lore, as I'll save that for people to enjoy by reading the book. I will, however, read their examples of types of patron because it's a really comprehensive list, honestly, for an adventuring group. So types of patron, adventurers guild, crime syndicate, dragon marked house, espionage agency, head of state, immortal being, inquisitive agency, military force, newspaper, religious order, and university. Any one of those things that I just listed could easily be used to flush out the world, whether from the people like me who do just like, oh, yes, I can plug in five of these here, 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 here and here and have them have this relationship between them. While on the other side of things, you could very easily flip that to the, in, the inside out as well and just have your beginning adventurers in the Adventurers Guild. As such, you have these benefits and these responsibilities to the guild, and you can see the world from that small perspective as they start to explore and grow. So I love this section on patrons that I really, really enjoy this and just absolutely think that DMs should take a read well read all of the eberron book in all honesty there's a lot more good stuff in here that we will talk about in the future but to use patrons more in the game to use organizations more in game so we're gonna go through not all of the patrons in more detail but a couple of them so i'm going to skip adventures guild more detail for now just because I did say that there was one I wanted to skip ahead to, which is the immortal being. Regular listeners will remember from the Warlock episode that I 
went on a Remy rant about how I wish that warlock patrons were used more in game as an actual relationship between otherworldly patron eh, eh, and the warlock themselves. And yet, here in the very next book that comes out just a few a few weeks after that they actually give me rules about it yay i am a happy remy <laughs> and yet here we have rules for an immortal being which can be as blatant or mysterious as you want it to be they give a list of possible creatures that can be but Considering the fact that a warlock's otherworldly patron shares the language, you could very, very easily just actually set up a game using these rules where there is a patron that more directly communicates with their warlock in order to point them at the tasks to fulfill, which is exactly what I wanted. So actually about that, I did mention that the patrons will give tasks to the adventuring party. And that is a possible, possible use of it, but it does not have to be. So we also did talk about how there is more hands-on or hands-off types of groups. So you can have it be as direct or general as you prefer or as appropriate to the world or the show or whatever it is that you want to create. So in the case of the immortal being, it could be an actual literal communication where they say, ah, yes, I want you to go kill this person. I use that example too much, but oh well, adventuring life is often rough. Uh, it could be the kind of thing where they are just contacted by dreams that they have to interpret and hope they're doing the right thing. But it can be mysterious or blunt and... What is also nice is that if there is a more direct communication, then there also are listed patron benefits for all of them. So in the case of the immortal patron, then it mentions that you can have a network of contacts that spans the world and the course of millennia. So you could have access to, you know, uh neutral lich whose task is to just be the guardian of some super hidden magical library you could have people who have knowledge lost to the ages that get pointed out to you uh, because your patron is an immortal being you could use that as a way to specifically point out or have pointed out to the group oh yeah there used to be a dragon that lived here uh it died of old age though so there's a whole big horde there but there are a whole lot of other things that have taken over the cave but so lost treasure lost magic lost wealth lost things aren't lost to beings old enough to just remember where they were and a party under such a patron could have that access to give direction and direction is where i really do feel that the patron system is most helpful it is incredibly common in dungeons and dragons that a group is able to complete their big quest whatever that may be and then they're just looking around at each other thinking now what and by having 
someone in charge of them or just something that they are responsible for on the other side, it constantly gives them a goal. It gives them a permanent thing to work towards. And I cannot understate the value of that. And uh, finally, the immortal patron has access to magic, whether that could be, you know, teaching wizards spells through, you know, dreams at night, whether that is having just a vault full of magic items that they've accumulated over time that they can trickle out to the party. It could potentially be a good way to let your party have consistent access to magic items if you are playing in a world where that is reasonable, where you can just have that be a logical reason for why everyone in the party always gets magic items that are useful of them is because that's the deal that you have with your patron. So one other useful thing, there are a whole bunch of charts in the Ebron book listing adventures that could be used with each type of patron or there are charts about different types of crimes that you can do rivals you can have chart after chart for contacts uh, potential benefits about what you're getting in exchange for working for a guild Uh, what are the costs involved of duties in a guild there are huge amounts of information that are a hundred or a hundred percent this just are incredibly useful to use and so backtracking once again to the very first one i mentioned the adventurers guild that is such a staple of fantasy and for good reason it is a useful useful thing and so the idea of either having characters start in a guild immediately gives you that very useful thing of well how do you know each other we don't know each other the guild just threw us together or we're a group who has been working together and decided to join the guild together it gives history and backing and back up potentially to the players if they should get over their head so having all of that is just (laughs) uh, i guess the r&r drinking game for today is it's just useful (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, and the idea of an adventurer's guild is quite iconic. However, exactly how you go about that can also be as flexible as you want it to be. Any of these patrons and organizations can be used however you want it to be. So you can have multiple of these things in any given world or even given city, depending on the scale that you're currently playing at. So if you can have... A rivalry between two adventurers guilds in a city that is just bordering some monster heavy forest and they're constantly competing with each other to you know see who can defeat the most monsters or the strongest monster from the woods and then you can have you know competition between the ones in the guild even and then against the rival guild and you can all of a sudden just have a cast of npcs that you can just kind of rattle off off the top of your head because you could just imagine ah okay so if i'm an adventurer's guild uh, 
So is this just a guild of low-level adventurers? Then when they reach a certain point, they move on in their lives. So it's a constantly rotating cast, which also gives you the opportunity where if you're a group where it's hard to get everyone playing every time, then if you keep each session to be a contained adventure that just continues week to week or however often you play then you have the easy hand wave explanation of, oh, you know, so-and-so isn't available for today's adventure. They were recruited for some other specific one that uses their talents. So it gives you opportunity to explain away real-life concerns potentially, which, once again, very useful. So I'm not going to go through all the types of patrons in that level of detail. I'll just reiterate that... Each of them has a whole lot of variability in how they can be used. Be creative in how you choose to implement any of these. But also, some of these patrons are a different style of game that honestly don't get played nearly as often as the whole sword and sorcery, slash them up, blow them up type of game. So... Uh, scrolling down towards the newspaper as an organization. That's an interesting idea. I wouldn't necessarily think of a D&D world as having newspapers. And yet, given that magic exists and magical printing press using the spell fabricate, for example, would be incredibly easy to arrange. Or if you just use a more high magic or steampunk setting or have it be a single printing press exists in the world as an anomaly, which means there's only one newspaper, which could lead to all kinds of adventures. So just the idea of a newspaper. Yeah. Uh, about the newspaper, I can imagine something quite interesting, especially with the concept of media being very powerful, especially in a day and age where there basically is only one source. Can you imagine the amount of power controlling such a machine or that would basically basically shape the idea of reality and how certain situations are going would hold in such a uh, place because it's not like in real life where you have multiple sources, different perspectives, so on and so forth. In this reality, you have one definitive objective thing. If it were to be one singular person only being able to print these newspapers. Exactly. So even just the idea of there being a single newspaper machine creates multiple story angles. So is it an honorable person who's being threatened by someone they dug up dirt on? I mean, that kind of thing happens in real life all the time. Or is it the kind of thing where someone wants to, you know, use the newspaper to control public opinion in not so nice ways? And so there's a people realizing, hey, wait a minute, this isn't what I heard about, and realizing, oh, if the newspaper is not truthful, then that is dangerous. And so do you want to try to have some other person take over the paper? And then maybe the party has to choose who they want to throw their lot in to take over the paper. And you can have an adventure centered around how do you get through whatever security the place has to you know, arrest the person who is the evil owner of the paper. And how do you get your guy to sit in the big chair? Or you could have the other angle of, 
you want to, you work for a group who hate the idea that there is only one paper print, uh, one news press. And so you are tasked with stealing the design so that more could be built. Point being, there are a lot of angles that you can take with the idea of a newspaper or newspapers in the world of D&D. You could have newspapers be a, a separate bard college because that is, you know, the quote, new way to spread stories and fame. So you could have bards who, instead of being traveling patrons, are traveling reporters. And then you have magical reporters, which is, once again, kind of cool. <laughs> I'm just thinking right now, right? There's probably a an, a drunk old man in a bar somewhere who's saying these newfangled newspaper things. Dear, dear. <laughs> I don't like. He's a town crier who was forced out of work. Yeah, like and he's, he's like, he used to just have to go ten o'clock and all's well, and just yell out the news. And he got put out of work by newspapers. It's like I used to make a living, but now, well. I just I'm just gonna burn through my savings because uh, no, there's no work for someone like me, no more. <laughs> uh, that's kind of sad. <laughs> Coming from you, shocking. Ha! Uh, <laughs> I give you a lot of shit, but it's kind of deserved. <laughs> it is really, really dumb. <laughs> All right, moving on though. <laughs> All right, so we talked about Adventurers Guild. We talked a bit about the immortal being patron. We talked a bit about newspapers. So the last one that I'll talk about just for the sake of this is the crime syndicate. Because oh so often I see groups or that either are or want to be evil. And the crime syndicate gives us a good way to do that in all honesty it gives direction for that so with a crime syndicate you can actually just play out godfather in DD. you can have there be the criminal families of the city or the world and you can just have there be all these interconnections between them and allies and rivalries and betrayal and you can tell so many cool stories stories with that and at the same time because it is an organized crime syndicate you also get the protection thereof so you finally get an explanation of why don't more mobs go after the single adventuring party that does very bad things and well now you get one explanation of oh they're you know backed by their you know godfather tiddlywinks if i want to use a ridiculous gnome name <laughs> <laughs> to the wee wings. I'm for the tiddly wings, and I've come to destroy anyone who will come into my path. No, no, no it's about the profits. Profits, I say. It doesn't matter what you gotta do or who you gotta kill to get coin. <laughs> <laughs> That was a strange character. Godfather did It's just like, yeah. Anyway, so to sum up, patrons are an option that is in detail spelled out in the new Eberron book. So I highly suggest getting it and reading through it and using patrons in the world to help build more connections between your party and the world. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Riffs and Rules. Please leave us a review and give us five stars on iTunes. Also, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast. Tears start as low as a dollar, and even that really helps us out. Supporters get benefits such as behind-the-scenes content, early access to episodes, access to the Patreon Discord, we'll be able to shout out the cast, and even a shout-out on the show. Find us on social media, on Twitter at Podcast, on Facebook at Riffwake, and on Reddit, on the subreddit, r slash Podcast. And now, send us an email, riffsandrules at gmail.com. That's riffsandrules at gmail.com. Uh, before we go, one last closing announcement. Uh, next, so this coming Thursday, we're going to be talking about the Artificer. And I just want to give a shout out to a person who did give us some lovely feedback mentioning that, hey, you haven't done any more classes and that is bothering my OCD. And as soon as it was pointed out to me, I also cannot unsee it. So just to let you know, we're going to be changing the format a little bit for the next couple of months in that we will be doing one character episode, or sorry, one class episode and the regular episode every week for the next few months until we do get through the classes. So thank you for that feedback. I do appreciate it. And if you have feedback for us, send it to us and we do go through everything sent to us. That being said, have a good one. Bye. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.